0: We've all heard that children of God are known by the love they have for one another, but what does that really look like? Hi, this is the Him We Proclaim podcast. In our first John study, we're contrasting the children of God versus the children of the devil. We'll see today that one of the most profound ways children of God love each other is how they treat the teachings of God. In other words, not spreading false teachings about the person and work of Christ is a primary way believers love one another. There's a lot more John Fonville wants to cover in this short series called Love One Another. Here's part three. First John, why did John write this letter? He wrote this letter to a Jewish audience. This is a very Jewish book. He wrote this to a Jewish audience that was dealing with a situation that had just gone through a church split. And what had happened was previous Church members of this community were denying that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. And because of this, this Jewish faction of the church left the community of faith. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. But when they left, they tried to come back in, John says, deceive his little children in the faith teaching them that Jesus is not the Christ. He's not the Messiah. You don't have to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And this posed a danger to those who did not leave the church, but stayed in the churches. So John, he's writing this letter to assure and comfort those who stayed. In chapter 3, verses 11 through 24, which you read... This is what John is doing. He's setting forth three contrasts. He sets forth three contrasts between the children of God, which is his readers, and he says that he calls them the children of the devil, those who had left the church. And he sets up these contrasts between these two groups of people. So that he can assure his, what he calls little children in the faith, his little children of their status as the children of God. So he is writing to comfort them. He's writing to assure them. He's saying, look, you're the children of God. You're accepted. You're adopted. You're the beloved children of the Father. Chapter 3, verse 1. This is very important. Just very quickly in verses 12 to 13, he says that the children of God, what is this contrast? He says the children of God are, he says they love fellow believers in the church. But he says in contrast, verses 12 and 13, the children of the devil, he says they hate fellow believers in the church. Second, John says this in verses 14 and 15, he says the children of God, he says He tells us why they love believers in the church. He says, because they have passed from death to life. But verses 14 and 15, he says, the children of the devil hates believers in the church. Why? He says, because they abide in death. So you have this contrast of life and death. John says, why is it that they abide in death? He says, because they deny that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ that Jesus is the Son of God, and he says in chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, that he says, "This is the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and he says, and this life is in his Son. That title, Son, is a messianic title. This life is in Jesus, who is the Messiah, the, the Christ, who has appeared to take away our sins. And John says, he who has the Son, he who has the Messiah, has life. He who does not have the Son of God does does not have life. They abide in death. And so he says, if you abide in death, this is why you hate fellow believers in the church. Because why? We are more naturally to do what? Hate each other, not love each other. John sets up that contrast. And this brings us to the third contrast. He says, because... These people who have left the church and come back and they are, he says, because they abide in death, because they have dead hearts. Verses 16 through 24 of chapter 3, he says, these people have hearts that are closed to the needs of fellow believers in the church. They are hard-hearted. They have closed heart, tight-fisted. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. This brings us to the third contrast. What John says in verses 16 through 18 is this. He says, the children of God are generous. He says, but in contrast, the children of the devil are close-hearted. Now, let's just look very quickly at what John is doing. In verses 13 through 24, there are three major themes that John highlights. This is the theme, love, confidence, and commandment. Let's look at this first theme today. Look at verses 16 through 18, this, this theme of love. He says, we know love by this. In the international version, it says, this is how we know love. I like that explanation. Listen, how, how we know this. He says, that he laid down his life for us. We're going to come back to that, but look when John says the implications and that is. He says, because Jesus has laid down his life for us, he says, we ought, and here's the response, to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse seventeen. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, and here's that here's that titling and little children. He says, "Let us not love with word and with tongue or with tongue, but indeed in deed and truth." Now. This set of verses raises lots of questions. Lots of complex issues. It's impossible to address all those issues and all these complex issues and questions that this, this verse arise. So we're just going to take our time as we go through this passage because it's so profound and it's actually incredibly comforting. But it's also quite dense and it's very complicated and it's sometimes it's very hard to understand. What is John talking about? We have confidence and our hearts don't condemn us. And if we ask from God things in prayer, we can have them. And how does all this stuff fit in? And if we see people in need and we don't give to them, and does God's love abide in my heart? And how much do we give? And who do we give to? And all these sorts of issues rise. Many questions from this passage. This is what John is doing. Let me just give you the big picture so you understand what he's doing. The context, verses 11 through 24, is this, is that he is saying that the whole point of that whole paragraph is this, the children of God love fellow believers in the church. That's the whole point of verses 11 through 24, he said, this is the mark of the true children of God, that they love fellow believers in the church. They love Christ's people. They love Christ's visible church. Verses 14 through 15, John spoke of love as the mark of those who have passed from death to life. And now in verses 16 through 18, he explains what the nature of that love is. So here are the questions that we want to look at today. How do we know what love is? What is it that makes us generous people? What is the source of generosity? What is the source that causes my heart not to be closed to those in need, but to see needs and to respond and help them? what is love? Look at verse 16. John answers that question. He says, this is how we know what love is, because he, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, laid down his life for us. This, John says, is what love is. This is the nature of love. This is the source of what makes us generous people toward fellow believers in the church who have needs to be met. What is it that makes us generous? What is it that keeps me from having a close heart, a mean spirit, unkindness? What makes me kind? What makes me generous? What makes me want to meet the needs of people, fellow believers in the church? Listen, John says, we know love by this. This is how we know what love is. Listen carefully. He, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, laid down his life for us. In these few simple words, John plums the depths of God's love for us in Christ. And he tells us that this is the source, this is the well, this is the catalyst, this is the fire that produces in my heart love for fellow believers and makes me generous. So, oh, how do we know what love is? John says, He laid down His life for us. These are powerful words. First, John tells us that Jesus, who is the Messiah, that the Messiah's death was voluntary. What is love? Jesus voluntarily laying down his life on the cross for my sin, for your sin. John says it's voluntary. He laid down his life for us. The voluntary death of the incarnate Messiah reveals and models the true nature of love, John says. Sometimes the death of Christ on the cross is incorrectly depicted as a kind and gentle Jesus placating the wrath of a vengeful God as if Jesus needed to persuade the Father not to pour out his wrath on us. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, talks about how some people will caricature the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ as Jesus being God's whipping boy on the cross. It wasn't divine child abuse. It was nothing of the sort. Nothing could be further from the truth. John tells us in this letter that out of love, God the Father sent his son on this great mission of mercy and grace. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is how God the Father showed his love among us. How did he show us his love? How did the Father show us his love? He sent, do you see that? He sent, he sent his one and only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. The Messiah came to give us life. Verse 10, this is crystal clear. This is love. Okay, what is it? Not that we love God the Father. We've not kept the great commandment. You heard it this morning as we ask Christ for mercy. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. None of us have done that. This is love, not that we love God the Father. We haven't kept the great commandment, but that God the Father loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins, to drink the cup that Jesus agonized over in the Garden of Eden. He says, Father, if there's there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. He says, nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. And he drank the cup of wrath so that we could drink the cup of salvation because of the Father's love for us. Jesus was sent by the Father out of love. And Jesus came voluntarily and gladly. In both the life and the death of Christ, we see a voluntary willingness for Jesus to accomplish the saving work His Father sent Him to do. I want you to listen carefully to this. The sojourn of Jesus on the earth must be viewed not primarily as a series of things that happened to Him. We have to view the entire life of Jesus from his conception to his ascension now to his intercession, but but primarily in his life from his conception to his physical ascension while he was on earth. This whole sojourn of Jesus on earth must be viewed not as a series of things that happened to him, but rather as the accomplishment of a task assigned to him. Just mind you what the prophet Isaiah said. Jesus wasn't just born. Unto us a son was born. Unto us a son was given. Jesus wasn't just born. Other children are born. They're wholly passive in their birth. Jesus was born, but he was also sent, given. Jesus was sent with a purpose, not to take, but to give, not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom in the place of many. He says to seek and to save that which was lost. And so what is all this about? Listen carefully. John says he laid down his life to understand the nature of love, to know what love is, to know how to begin to become a person who is generous and kind that meets the needs of fellow believers in the church. You have to have a heart that understands and comprehends that Jesus laid down his life on the cross voluntarily out of love for you. If we do not understand his death as voluntary, we don't understand the purpose of his atonement, and we do not know what love is. Jesus' death on the cross was not coerced, it was not forced. Jesus was not an unwilling victim who received abusive and brutal punishment at the hands of the Romans. Nothing could be further from the truth. John says it like this, very simple. Say this with me. He laid down his life. Say that. He laid down his life. That is how much God loves you today. You've got to see this. This is the source of what makes you a generous person. Jesus often spoke of his voluntary sacrifice all throughout the Gospel of John because John is just borrowing from his Gospel to write this letter. He describes his voluntary death like this in John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. He does not say that he went to the cross and to die involuntarily. Listen to what Jesus says. For this reason, the Father loves me. Why does the Father love the Son? the Messiah, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Do you hear that? I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But listen, I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again this charge I have received from my father. John chapter 10 verses 11 and 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the great king. The good shepherd means the great king. Every king of Israel was a failure, basically, right? Jesus was the great king who was not a failure, who had absolute authority, and he took that authority, and instead of subjecting his his citizens with punishment and cruelty in his kingdom, he laid, the great king, lays down his life for the subjects of his people. He said, even as the father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John fifteen thirteen, Jesus states that his laying down of his life demonstrates his love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Listen carefully here. It's not only really important to understand that Jesus' willingness did not just include his voluntary death on the cross. His entire life was a glad, willing, voluntary offer of obedience to his Father's will for what he was sent to do. John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus says, "'My food is to the will of him who sent me.'" Listen, and to accomplish his work. Things did not happen to Jesus. Jesus did things that made things happen. John 14, verse 31, that the world may know that I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father commanded me. One of my favorite passages, we don't have time to turn there, just quickly summarize it. John chapter 18. A whole Roman cohort of over 600 trained killer Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus with the Jews and the Pharisees and everybody else. This massive mob shows up to arrest just one man. And they come up to Jesus as he was praying and they said, um, he he says, who, who do you seek? This massive mob of trained Roman soldiers who are, who are professional killers, right? They look at Jesus and they, they say, to, in response to his question, they say to him, who do you seek? And they say to him, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does Jesus respond? He says, ego amy. I am. That goes back to Moses. We don't have time to do it. It's powerful. I am, I'm the great I am. So he's, what he was saying, I'm the God of Moses powerful statement, two Greek words. And John says the entire mob fell over backwards and hit the ground. Now, let me ask you, who do you think was arresting Jesus? Nobody, because he has authority to lay his life down and he has authority to take it up again. He says, no one takes my life from me. Do you begin to see not just his authority, but his extraordinary, breathtaking, unfathomable love for you? And allowing a mob who could have easily just crushed him in a split second, the whole thing, they all fall down and hit the ground. Because they couldn't touch him until he laid himself down and received that on our behalf. That's love. So the first thing that John tells us about the nature of love is that Messiah's death was voluntary. Listen carefully. This is how we know what love is. He laid down his life. This raises the next important question from this text. Just quickly look at it for time's sake. All right, he laid down his life. For what purpose did Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, lay down his life? John tells you right here in these verses. This brings us to the second thing that John tells us about the nature of love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, and here it is, for us. That's the purpose. Jesus Christ's death was not just voluntary, it was purposeful and specific. Christ died for this purpose, for us. You see, I have said this so many times in this church, I'm going to say it again. This is so vitally important. The gospel is not Jesus died on the cross, it's not the gospel. That's history. It's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sins. That's the purpose of that historical event, and that's the good news. Jesus did not die on the cross for himself, but for us," John says. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter five, verse eight. Paul tells us that God's love is seen in Jesus' death. Why? Because it's for us. But God the Father demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ the Messiah died for us. That's love. Jesus' death was purposeful and it was specific. He laid down his life for us. Who's the us that John's talking about in this context? Both the apostles and his readers. Those who are trusting that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. He's the incarnate son of God. Given his life for him who's laid down his life for us. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 11, again, the, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's purposeful. John chapter 10, verse 29, who are the sheep? He tells us in the context, listen, my Father who has given them to me, that's the sheep. John says these words, he laid down his life for us, should be pondered carefully. Why? Because they're intended to give us confidence and assurance. He laid down his life for you. And when he died on the cross, you are on his heart, you are in his mind, you are in the Father's plan. That's confidence. That's assurance. This whole emphasis that John says he laid down his life is on the prepositional phrase for us. That's why I said if you want to understand the theology of the New Testament, right, or the Old Testament, read the prepositions because that's where all the theology is. Christ did not die to no purpose. John says he laid down his life for us so that we can know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, who was us. Not just the apostles and the readers, but listen, the apostles and readers like us who are sinners. God the Father looked at us in love out of our greatest time of need. And he saw us in great need and he sent his son to meet that greatest need. We who were sinners worthy of death and eternal judgment, out of love, Jesus voluntarily took all our sins upon himself, and he died on the cross for us in our place. Therefore, listen to prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verse 12. It was appropriate, Isaiah says, for him to become a thief. You ever thought about that? It was appropriate for Jesus, as he died on the cross, to become a thief, as as he was numbered among the thieves. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, Christ, the Messiah, Jesus in human flesh, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse, here it is, say it with me, for us. For, as it is written in the Mosaic Old Covenant, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. And listen to what Martin Luther says about Isaiah 53 and Galatians chapter 3. He says, all the prophets saw this, that Christ was to become the greatest thief, the greatest murderer, the greatest adulterer, the greatest robber, the greatest desecrator, the greatest blasphemer there has ever been anywhere in the world. He is not acting in his own person now. He is now he is not the son of God, born of the virgin, but he is a sinner who has and bears the sins of Paul, the former blasphemer, persecutor, and assaulter who bears the sins of Peter, who deny Christ, who bears the sins of David, who was an adulterer and a murderer, and who calls the Gentiles to blaspheme the name of the Lord. Christ was not only found among sinners, but of his own free will, voluntarily, and by the will of his Father. He wanted to be an associate of sinners having assumed the flesh and blood of those who were sinners and thieves and who were immersed in all sorts of sin. Therefore, when law found him among thieves, it condemned and executed him as a thief. This knowledge of Christ is most delightful and comforting that Christ became a curse for us to set us free from the curse of the law. That's love. What is the nature of love? That right there. And so as we reflect on the nature of love this morning, John directs us where? To the voluntary and purposeful death of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. What is the lesson? What is the takeaway for us today? Because the the context is that believers are generous and they help others in need in the church. So what's the lesson for us? Here it is. Listen to me carefully. John is teaching us that before Jesus' death on the cross serves as our example of love to imitate him, we have to first understand his death on the cross as a voluntary act of love for us in which we place our faith. Jesus, say it like this, we have to understand Jesus first as a savior before we follow him as our example. Martin Luther says what happens is is when you when you set forth Christ, when Christ is separated from sins, when he's separated from this prepositional phrase, for us, when Jesus is separated from sins, when he's separated from sinners, when he's only set forth as an example to be imitated, Christ becomes useless. Why? Because he becomes our judge and a tyrant who condemns us because of our sins. Why? Because his perfect example... His perfect life condemns my imperfect example, my imperfect life, and I can't measure up to that. This is what Luther says is the solution. Just as Christ is wrapped up in our flesh and blood, so by faith we must wrap him up and know him to be wrapped up in our sins. Know Jesus the Messiah who died for you on the cross to be wrapped up in your sins. Know him to be wrapped up in your curse. Know him to be wrapped up in your death. Know him to be wrapped up in your judgment, in your punishment. He says, Know him to be wrapped up in everything evil that is in you. Yes, we are called to love fellow believers in the church. We're called to. Yes, we're called to follow Jesus' example and not be tight-fisted, not be close-hearted, not be mean-spirited to fellow believers who are in need. Yes, we are to follow Jesus' example and be kind, generous, and as John says, lay down our lives for our fellow believers in the church. But John says there's something more fundamental than that that precedes that. Before Jesus' death on the cross serves as our example of love to imitate, we must first understand that his death on the cross was a voluntary act of love for us in our sin in which we place our faith. Why? Listen to what Jerry Bridges, how he explains this. Terror accomplishes no real obedience. Suspense brings forth no fruit unto holiness. No gloomy uncertainty as to God's favor can subdue one lust. Cannot correct our crookedness of will. But the free pardon of the cross uproots sin and withers all its branches. This is what John says, only the certainty of love, forgiving love, can produce this. The certainty of forgiving love is what John repeatedly calls his little children to throughout this letter. He repeats it over and over and over because we don't get it. Out of great love, Jesus voluntarily submitted to the Father's plan of salvation for the sake of our salvation. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, as we finish. John says that Jesus' propitiatory work was initiated by the Father because of his great love for us. Listen to this. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. What was it? That God the Father has sent. He has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And because he loved us, sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Trust in that today today. Fill your heart with that love of God today, and your heart will overflow in kindness and generosity to fellow believers who are in need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great, wonderful, and speakable truth. It's so great we can't comprehend it. We can't wrap our minds and hearts around it, but we receive it and believe it. We pray, and Lord, we believe, help our unbelief and fill our hearts, fill our faith with this good news of Jesus' voluntary, purposeful act of love in which he laid down his life for us. Let our hearts be filled with this great truth here today. And as we come to receive your sacrament, may your visible gospel, sign and seal, confirm to our hearts the truth that we have heard, that we are in favor with the Father for the sake of the Son, who's applied it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the "Him We Proclaim podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already for all our new episodes. And if this message was just what you needed to hear, please let us know in the comments and share it with a friend.